what's up everyone and welcome into episode 9 and the first episode of the new year because it is the new year i want to wish everyone that is listening a happy new year i hope everyone had a great new year i hope you had a chance to either hang out with friends hang out with family got to do something if you didn't i hope you had some great food also if you're able to stay up to midnight congratulations you got to see the new year if you didn't that is completely okay i'm really looking forward to 2022 i hope this is a good year i hope it's a year full of great sports in the state of michigan i hope that 2022 brings a lot especially for this podcast hope to continue to expand it i hope to continue to bring friends family maybe even athletes on at some point that would be really awesome but i hope that 2022 is a really great year and i'm very optimistic of about that so i hope everyone had a great year i hope everyone's had a great couple of days and thank you again for supporting my podcast it means a lot but let's get into it because it is a couple of days after the new year it means that college football playoff and new year bowls are even played now i discussed the michigan state and pit game right after the game that was a really fun podcast so if you haven't gotten the chance to listen to it it was episode eight the one right before this but that was a really good game it was a very entertaining fourth order between Michigan State and Pitt. Pitt played pretty decently throughout the game. MSU did not play very well, but that is okay because MSU ended up getting the win. But I really want to focus right now on the college football playoff games. Cincinnati and Alabama and Michigan versus Georgia. really want to focus on Alabama and Cincinnati first. It wasn't very, it wasn't a very competitive game between the teams, and I don't think a lot of people really expected it to. I know there was a lot of like questions and like can non-power five team really compete with the likes of Alabama, and we saw that they could somewhat. It wasn't very competitive throughout the game, but in the first quarter they kind of stuck with them. I thought it was going to be much worse than it actually was, but they end up losing 6-27. to 27. Bryce Young had a good day for him. He, I think, had like three, 400 yards throwing against a really good defense for Cincinnati. Defense for Cincinnati is probably ranked one of the top defenses. Both corners for Cincinnati should be going... In the first round of the draft, actually one of their corners already um, declared for the draft earlier today. He, I think he had like 1,000 um, thousand targets against him in, in his college career. And he, I don't think he gave up one single um, touchdown, which is really impressive. Alabama, one thing that really kind of surprised me about Alabama is I always just knew is they always um, were known for throwing the ball, but they end up running the ball for 
301 yards. Robinson for Alabama, Brian Robinson, he's a senior, but he ended up going for 204 against a really solid defense for Cincinnati. It was really impressive to watch, and I was actually wrong for Bryce Young. He only went for 181. He did have three touchdowns. He had an interception, so he wasn't as good as he's seen, and I think you have to give credit to Cincinnati. Cincinnati was able to stop the Heisman Trophy winner from having a good game, so you got to give credit to Cincinnati, especially Luke Fickle. Now, you did end up losing by 21, and it wasn't very competitive, but at least you can say that, hey, you know what? It's a non-Power 5 team. Us Cincinnati, we held the Heisman to less than 200 yards passing, and we only held Alabama to 27 points. Now, you're like, 27 points is quite a bit, but if you saw what they did against Georgia with 42, 27 looks pretty good, especially for how good that Georgia defense is, which is what I want to get into next. Georgia versus Michigan. This game, I think I said, um, yeah, my prediction was Georgia would be up late and they would score a touchdown to seal the game. So I thought Georgia would win by 10. Georgia ended up winning by 23-34-11. I think that score, even itself, is pretty not indicative of the game. Michigan ended up scoring a late touchdown against Georgia, which and then they went for two, and they got their score up to 11. But overall, it was a game that was completely... And early dominated by Georgia. I think one of the biggest questions going into the game for Georgia was what would the starting quarterback, Stenson Bennett, do? Because there's been questions. There's who's going even before the game I was talking about who's going to be the starting quarterback? Was it going to be Stenson Benson? Was it going to be JT Daniels? Who was going to be a starting quarterback? And that was pretty easy decision, it seems like, because Stenson Bennett went for 2 for 30, 313, and 3 touchdowns. Stenson Bennett threw the ball all the way around the field against Michigan. And that really helps when you have superior athletes. Now, I'm going to give my credit to Michigan. Michigan has a great athlete. But Georgia as superior athletes. And I think that's one of the reasons why Georgia won. The reason why is because they're running back. You got James Cook, the running back, which is the brother of Delvin Cook. He actually looked a lot like Delvin Cook when playing. But he had four receptions for 112 yards for Georgia. And he had six rushes for 32 yards. That's a game. Cook was an absolute baller out there. He played extremely well. And another example of a baller, someone I talked to a friend about that listens to this podcast, Brock Bowers. This is a freshman tight end that just dominated whenever he was on the field. He's the best tight end I've seen. 
in a long, long time. He's a Travis Kelsey that can block. I'm just calling it right now that even if he doesn't improve that much more in college, he's going to be a top 10 pick in the draft in two years. Bowers is so talented. He has speed, he has size, and he can black. He's going to be the next great tight end in the NFL. I'm already predicting it. It's just incredible. That first drive for Georgia, he was the Bowers show. He was just getting open. He was making great throw, making great catches. Watching the Bowers play is just so much fun. He's one of the best athletes on the field that I've seen this year. You could argue that he would be the number one athlete on that field, at least on the offense for Georgia. Maybe you can argue James Cook. He is extremely athletic. I know that Pickens for Georgia was their number one wide receiver, but he's coming off an ACL tear, so he didn't do very much. But if you go down the list of like Georgia receiving, you have Cook with four receptions, 112 yards. Then you have Burton, one reception for 57. Then you got Bowers, five receptions for 55. Then you got Mitchell, two receptions for 34. Just go down this list, and there's eight or nine different guys, and that just shows how much Georgia can spread spread the ball out. There's some running backs, there's some tight ends, there's some wide receivers. That just shows how much so many, how many athletes are really on this Georgia team, and that's just their receptions. Then you got rush. Then you got rushing. Main what the main um, leading rusher was Samir White. He only ran for 12 carries. He had 54 yards, but he really saw he didn't get that many opportunities because then you got players below him. Four rushes, three rushes, six rushes, seven rushes, one rush, two rush. Georgia had 35 rushing attempts for 190. That's an average of 5.4 yards a game. If you want to be reminded of, a, of an example of that, just watch the Michigan Kenneth Walker show. I believe Kenneth averaged about that for Michigan. Now, I'm not saying that's how dominant... Georgia's rushing attack was. It was not, but giving up 5.4 yards per rush on average is just not great defense, and I think that's what gave Michigan an issue because their defense, their whole season was so predicated on how dominant their defense was. If you saw the two games they lost, what happened? Their Defense wasn't there. It wasn't an offensive thing. Yes, they had some issues on offense, but they really lost because of their defense. Let's go back to the MSU game. You're up by 16. Yes, I know there's things that happened. There was a fumble that should have been called a touchdown, and you would have been up 23-24, and not saying that was insurmountable, probably was, but your defense gave up 23 points after that in the third and fourth 
corner without your offense doing anything. Yes, I know that it could have been a big difference if the offense did something, but for how good that defense was throughout the game, you can really start to see some comparison between how their defense, like how they really, how their offense relied on their defense to get the three and out, to get the turnovers, because when Michigan couldn't run the ball, their offense couldn't do very much, and this Georgia game was just another example of that. Michigan ran for 91 yards on 27 carries. When is the last time Michigan did that? It's been a while, especially because Haskins usually does a very good job. Corum, yeah, Corum had three rushes for 13 yards. Yes, he was hurt, but Haskins, when has Haskins ever touched the ball nine times? Not very many times, and I know that Georgia was up by quite a bit, and Michigan couldn't really run the ball because they were down by so much, but when they were down that much because their defense couldn't get stops, it forced Michigan to go to more of a passing game, which this is where Cade McNamara comes in. He really struggled. He went 11 for 19 for 106 with two interceptions. McNamara did have some good throws throughout the game, but he had some throws that either it was a miscommunication or the person just stopped, which was mind-boggling to me. I've never seen a Michigan team do that, or at least a Michigan team do that this year. Never seen wide receivers kind of stop or give up on the play, which was confusing, confusing to me. Later in the game, J.J. McCarthy came in, went 7 for 17 with 131, one touchdown. J.J. is going to be very good. He is going to be very, very good for the University of Michigan. And I think going into this offseason, I think Michigan's going to have to figure, find out who's going to be the starting quarterback next year. Is it going to be Cade McNamara? Or is it going to be J.J. McCarthy? This is a question that that staff is going to have to figure out, which I think they will. I think Josh Gaddis did a very good job this year. If to give all credit to Josh Gaddis. He very much improved this offense, especially after having one of Michigan's best number one wide receivers go down. I also got to give credit to Jim Harbaugh. Like I said, he made changes that are hard. Making changes like that Jim Harbaugh made is not easy at all. It's something D'Antonio should have made. But D'Antonio relied way too much on his friends, and it backfired on him. I love D'Antonio. I think he changed everything at Michigan State. I think he gave the Michigan State-Michigan rivalry a whole new meaning, especially to MSU, because if you looked at the record versus Michigan before D'Antonio came in, Michigan was absolutely dominating every single year. And D'Antonio came in saying, enough is enough. We're not going to take this anymore. We're going to compete against Michigan. And that's something that I give credit for D'Antonio. And I think D'Antonio is going to be remembered for all the amazing things he did. But 
D'Antonio didn't do what Jim Harbaugh did. And this is where I have to give credit to Harbaugh. Credit. Harbaugh made the tough decision to let go of some people and bring in new, younger minds, especially from, especially their defensive coordinator, from the Ravens, from his brother, and Brian and made changes. Jim Harbaugh did what he needed to do, which resulted in a Big Ten championship, resulted in a college football playoff. And guess what? Yes, you did get blown out in the college football playoff. MSU also got blown out in the college football playoff, and I know that I've seen these arguments saying Michigan's better because they weren't shut out. Okay, I can make this argument. MSU was actually in the game at halftime. If you remember watching that MSU game, which I really don't want to remember, it was 10 nothing at halftime versus Alabama. It was, supposed to be, it was probably supposed to be at least 10-3, maybe 10-7, but Cook had a very bad interception in the half. Now, we all know how the result ended, which wasn't a good result, but I don't think you can really make fun of either team. Both teams got absolutely dominated in the college football playoff. And I don't think it's either team's fault, honestly. I think it just shows how much behind Michigan is, behind how much MSU was behind during those times. There's not very many. There's maybe one Big Ten team right now, and that's Ohio State that has the talent that can go up against the top of the SEC and Clemson. Now, I know Michigan beat Ohio State. Absolutely incredible. You guys dominated that game. But you cannot argue that Michigan had more athletes than Ohio State. Michigan just played so much better and was so much, had a so much better coaching job than Ohio State did that, did this year. Michigan deserved to win that game, and they did because of how they played. But Ohio State has more athletes. And when it comes to playing in the college football playoff, when it comes to playing in the big bowl games, what matters? Athletes matter. Playmakers matter. And yes, Michigan had playmakers on the defense. They have Aiden Hutchinson. He's going to be number one or number two in this draft. They have David Ojaba, which declared for the draft. He's going to be a first-round pick. Daxon Hill will probably declare. He'll get drafted. There will be a lot of Michigan players on that defense that get drafted. But what were they missing? They were missing playmakers and athletes on that on the offense. Now you can say Haskins was that. Well, guess what? If your offensive line can't get pushed, can't move the line, guess what? Haskins isn't going to do anything. And he didn't do anything. If you had Cade McNamara at quarterback, he's a selling quarterback. But if he doesn't have those athletes on the outside as wide receivers, Guess what? What are you expecting him to do? Are you expecting his guys to go one-on-one with better athletes on Georgia and win? I think that's something hard to ask, and I think that's the same thing that happened with MSU. If you remember MSU, they had a dominant defense. They had a great defense when they played Alabama. But guess what? They didn't have anyone that great on offense. Now, Cook is, I want to argue, Cook is better than McNamara. 
the offensive line was probably about the same as Michigan was this year, but they didn't. But MSU and Michigan doesn't have those athletes. And I think until that time happens, I think it's going to be Alabama, Georgia. I want, I'm going to put Clemson back in there because Clemson had a down year. Ohio State, those teams are on the top 1A, top 1B. Now, if you're Michigan State or Michigan, you're on the 2A, 2B level, and that's not a bad thing. You can get on those levels and be a top 15 team. And that's what both these teams were this year. But until you make that jump up to the athletes that Georgia have, the athletes that Alabama have, you're not going to compete very well against those teams. And I know people talk about, oh, how bad the SEC did in the bowl games. Guess what? A lot of those bowl teams are the mid to lower levels of the SEC. The SEC is good at about two or three teams. Really good at about two or three teams. You got Alabama, you got Georgia, and I think LSU will be up there again. I think LSU and Auburn are like going to be up there. Especially, I think Brian Kelly's going to do a very good job at LSU. I think LSU's going to be up there. Then you got teams like USC. You got Oklahoma. You got these teams that are really good and that have athletes, but they're just missing things at certain spots that's important. Now, Michigan, they might have that star athlete in J.J. McCarthy. We don't know that, though. J.J. McCarthy is one of the best quarterbacks that have come into the University of Michigan in a long time. I think he is Harbaugh's guy. I don't think he was ready this year. I think he needed to get a little bit more time, and I think that's why he kind of played him throughout the year. He kind of saw how J.J. was only the running type of quarterback, but I think if he can get going a little bit, I think J.J. could be that guy for Jim Harbaugh if Jim Harbaugh stays. Whereas, which is a very interesting conversation that kind of started to happen today. There was rumors and reports that Jim Harbaugh would kind of consider going back to the NFL. I heard um, the Giants' name being thrown out there. I've heard definitely the Bears' name being thrown out there. But this is something that He's going to have to watch out for. I don't think Jim's going to leave. As of right now, I wouldn't predict that he would leave. But this is something that Michigan fans and people are going to have to watch out for. Because Jim did what he was brought in to do. He was brought in to beat Ohio State. He was brought in to win Big Ten championships. I don't know if people really expected, or I don't know if people should have expected, Jim Harbaugh to win a national championship because how, like I said, of how good teams are like Georgia and Alabama. It's hard to expect teams like Michigan, teams like Ohio State, teams like Oklahoma to beat a team like Ohio, to beat a team like Alabama. That's just something that's very difficult to do. And Jim Harbaugh did exactly what he was brought in to do. Now, do I think Jim Harbaugh should be? I think it's up to him. I think 
if he were left last year, I think a lot of people would have not remembered his time very well at Michigan. I think if he leaves after this year, I think he'll be loved again. I think Jim Harbaugh is back to where he was when he first came. I know people might say, oh, in the past, he wasn't great. He didn't win the Big Ten Championship. Guess what? He has that Big Ten Championship now. He has that win against Ohio State. Yes, you look at the record. Not very good against Ohio State. Not very good against Michigan State. But guess what? He has that ring. He has that championship. He has the championship that Michigan fans have been striving for for so long. And he did it. Now, if Jim Harbaugh does it again next year, the year after, but they keep getting blown out in the college football playoff, I have people going in and saying, a Big Ten championship is not enough. I don't know that answer. But that is something that Jim Harbaugh, I think, has to think about. He has to think about what he wants to do. He's done what he was brought in to do. That was bring a championship back to Ann Arbor. And that's what he did. It wasn't a national championship. It was a Big Ten championship. But for how long Michigan has gone, 17 years since the Big Ten Championship, to bring it back to Ann Arbor is a huge accomplishment for Jim Harbaugh. I got to give credit to him. He was a lot better this year. He was someone that wasn't talking a whole lot like he did in the years past. I think he learned. I think he learned from his past mistakes, and I think, that really came together this year and is why I can why I can say right now is that he did a very good job. Jim Harbaugh should be considered as one of the best college football coaches this year. Now, will that go into next year? I don't know. We'll see. But what Jim Harbaugh did this year was impressive and he deserves a lot of credit for it. Same thing goes with Mel Tucker. Mel Tucker and MSU had an amazing year this year. 11 wins. It's only the sixth time in school history. He deserves to be up there. No one expected MSU to do anything, but they did. And this is where I want to get back into the talk of kind of like athletes, and I'll kind of go back and forth between Michigan and MSU right now because this is something that is affecting not only Michigan and MSU, but is in fact is impacting the whole world of college football. Transfers. Michigan had two players transfer. Former four stars transferring and going into the transfer portal. MSU had a couple players going into the transfer portal. I think they've had 17. MSU, I think, has had 17 players going to the transfer portal since Mel Tucker has gotten there. College football is starting to get to a point where it's about free agency with these players. It used to be a free agency with the coaches, but now it is free agency with the players. And I don't know if it's great. You can argue both ways. If it's good, or if it's not good. One argument that you could make 
for it to be good is look at Baker Mayfield. Look at what he did after he transferred. Look at what Joe Burrow after he did what he's transferred. He went they went and balled out. But you can also look at a player like Tate Martell. Someone that has so much talent. One of the best players in this class. If he waited, could he have been a star waited? But because he didn't wait, he moved from place to place to place. Now he's at UNLV. He has one year left and he hasn't played very much. There's good and bad things about this idea of being able to transfer away right away. It means that kids can get better opportunities and more opportunities. Awesome, but also means that kids might not stick around when the going gets tough. And I can't blame those kids. And it's a good example of sticking around going get when the going gets tough. Not in football, but in basketball. Look at what Gabe Brown and Marcus Bingham is doing. If the transfer portal was there for basketball as much as it is in football, I don't know if Gabe Brown and Marcus Bingham would be at Michigan State right now. I think it speaks volumes to people that stay, that wait, that develop, that sit behind people until it's their time, until their junior and senior time to really show out. And again, this is where the conversation and argument can be made. Is the transfer portal good for the players? It depends on the situation of that player. And I think we'll really see how that transfer poll will work out in the next couple of years. Now the transfer portal is, again, it'll be figured out in the next couple of years, but I think it's really going to help some teams. And I think it's really already being proven to do that, especially for MSU. You see these transfers coming in and really making an impact right away and you see these transfers coming in from smaller schools or bigger schools that are better athletes that are making a difference and I think that's where it's good. Now do I think MSU will continue to target transfers as heavily as they do or as they are right now? Absolutely not. I think when MSU gets their guys in and I think gets the guys that Mel Tucker wants, I think the whole idea of targeting transfers will kind of go down a little bit. I think the idea of transfers will never stop, but I think MSU and other teams will stop looking and will stop recruiting transfers as much as the year goes on, especially for these newer coaches. For these newer coaches like Tucker, for the first couple of years, you don't want your, your type of guys in, which you can do through recruiting, but you can only go 20 through like 25 recruits. Well, with transfers, like Mel Tucker did, you can add about 40 new players through recruiting and through transfers. You can flip a whole team to be like the guys you want, the play style you want in two or three years. And I think we're seeing that from teams. I think we're seeing that from Michigan State. I think we're seeing that from other teams. We're seeing big leaps in years. Like MSU, 
two wins, five losses last year. Now you have 11 wins this year. Now a lot of that has to do with the transfers they got, and especially Kenneth Walker. A lot has to do with those transfers. But you see these leaps, and you see these guys coming in, and you're starting to see them play a little bit more. Like Keon Coleman was a recruit that played a little bit, and I think he's going to be absolutely huge next year, especially with the news that Jalen Naylor is going into the NFL draft. This kind of surprised me that he went into the NFL draft, especially after being hurt a little bit throughout the year, but yeah, I wish him the best of luck. He's a really great player. He's a really great wide receiver. I think he's going to do great. I think he's going to get his opportunity in the future in the NFL, and I wish him the best of luck. Another example is Kevin Jarvis. He's a, he was a right guard all year at Michigan State, sorry, right guard, and he's declaring for the draft. You have these players now that are in the portal that you, you can replace these guys with, especially if you don't love the players that you have on your team right now. Because no one, no staff is going to admit it, but there might be certain positions of certain players that the staff might not love. That they're like, we need an upgrade here. I think that's where MSU is looking at the offensive line, seeing, okay, Kevin Jarvis is gone. We are losing quite a bit of people. Hey, let's look at this transfer. Let's look at this, this recruit. Let's do all this. I think that's something MSU is really going to do this offseason. And for anyone that's been paying attention to MSU in football recently, they said that MSU's offensive line coach is actually staying, who is being looked at from USC. Um, Lincoln Riley was trying to get him to come to USC for a million dollars. And the offensive line coach at MSU turned him down. You know how big of a deal that is? That is huge. Imagine turning down a million dollars to coach in Southern California. A very nice area, very warm area, an area that is so much easier to recruit. To stay in Michigan where it's cold, where it's difficult to recruit. Because guess what? In this area... Michigan, Ohio, Minnesota, Illinois, all these surrounding states, guess what? You're going to have to out-recruit Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State for these staff guys. Now, if you go to USC, who are you going to have to out-recruit? UCLA, Oregon. That's it. And guess what? UCLA has not been very good this year, in this past couple of years. You can out-recruit them. You have a history that UCLA doesn't have. And Oregon as well. Oregon's not going to come into California very often because they have a lot of great players in Washington. But guess what? The offensive coordinator, offensive line coach, Coach Cap, decided to stay in East Lansing, which is absolutely huge for Michigan State football. Now, there was actually one more um, announcement, actually a huge announcement for MSU. Jaden Reed has announced that he is coming back for his last year of eligibility. Absolutely huge news for MSU. Jaden Reed 
is now wide receiver number one at MSU. And if you saw how he played this year and you saw how good he was at a punt return, he is MSU's by far best athlete, and that's what you need on offense. You need those athletes, and without Kenneth Walker, you now have Jaden Reed to go to. There's a bunch of memes on um, Twitter, especially from Colton Pouncey, but there's a picture of Peyton Thorne just throwing it down the field, and it's one of those memes where it's like, F it. There's someone downfield. And he was like, we're going to get another year of F it. Jaden Reed is down there somewhere, which I think is funny, especially when there's a touch, a deep touchdown throw to Jaden Reed, like we saw against Pittsburgh. And I love that he is staying, especially for how important that is for this offense. Him staying is going to really make this offense be good to great next year. And I think it's going to really help the offensive coordinator become better. Because we saw in that bowl game, they really struggled on offense without Kenneth Walker. And I think MSU is going to have to kind of change its offense a little bit. Change it to where it's not so leaning heavily on the run. Now, maybe Jalen Berger, the transfer coming in from Wisconsin, can be Kenneth Walker. Maybe he has a Kenneth Walker year next year, which would be fantastic. But if he doesn't, let's say he gets 70% of what Kenneth Walker did. Still going to be a really good year. You're going to have to make up that rest and maybe even more from Jaden Reed, uh, Keon Coleman, Trey Mosley, Montori Foster, these players, Malik Carr, these players that had gotten some time throughout this year is going to really have to step up and make an impact in MSU football next year. And I think they're going to have to do that early because MSU's schedule next year is harder than it is this year. You're going to have to play at Michigan. You have to go and play at Penn State. You have to play. Wisconsin, you're going to have to play Ohio State again. Ohio State's going to be early, but you're going to have to play Ohio State. Now, I'd rather play Ohio State early because Ohio State's usually not as good early and not as in sync early on in the year, but you also have C.J. Stroud and Smith and Jigbo coming back from Ohio State, which absolutely balled out on the Rose Bowl. Like, if you want to see two performances from a wide receiver, and you're like, that's probably one of the best performances I've ever seen from a wide receiver, go watch Smith and Jigbo on the Rose Bowl, and go watch Jamar Chase this past weekend. If you want to watch two wide receivers that just balled out and just won every single time, go watch them. Absolutely incredible. This Ohio State offense with him is going to be absolutely incredible. But, yeah, that's definitely something MSU is going to really have to focus on, improve on, improve that line. Michigan, that offense is going to be good. That offense is going to be really good next year. 
I think having J.J. McCarthy at quarterback would really elevate it to another level. Now where the question mark comes in is that defense. You're losing quite a few really great athletes on that defense. I think we're going to really see what Michigan has early on in the year. I think early on this year, Michigan really relied on that defense to get stops, really relied on that defense to kind of get it going. I think next year is going to be completely opposite. I think this Michigan team is really going to rely on its offense to get it going. Now, do I think Michigan's defense is going to struggle early on in the year? I don't know. We'll see. I think their defense coordinator is a very good young defense coordinator. I think they're going to get figured out. I think Michigan's going to be another really good team next year that's going to compete for a Big Ten championship. I think Michigan has a bright future ahead of itself if Jim Harbaugh stays. I don't know if he'll stay. If he leaves, who will who will replace him? I've heard the name Bill O'Brien being thrown around would possibly place Jim Hama. I don't know how Michigan fans would really feel about that. I don't know if I would necessarily love that hire if you're Michigan. He's done a great job at Alabama. So I don't really know what he would do at Michigan. Would you be good with Josh Gaddis getting promoted to be the head coach? Would that be something as a Michigan fan you would want? I also heard Deion Sanders people like talking about what if Deion Sanders were coming to Michigan. That would be really interesting. I think he would do a great job recruiting. Huge step for him. But that would be really interesting. What about Charles Woodson? I've also heard Charles Woodson would be an interesting one. Don't think he'll leave ESPN. But coming back, Charles Woodson, would it be... Like a Juwan Howard situation? Would it be a situation where he's an amazing recruiter? Has so much excitement around him? Has, is that going to be something that works out? I don't know. But this is something that you're going to have to continue to look out for. But let's talk about Juwan Howard. I have no idea what's going on with Juwan Howard and this Michigan team. I have no idea. This was a top five team to begin the season. People are talking national championship aspirations. They just end up losing to Rutgers. Now, I know they didn't have five of their players. Okay, I understand. But right now, Michigan is seven and six. And one and two in the Big Ten Conference. And if you look at the next schedule, you got Michigan State, Illinois, Purdue, Maryland. There's a very good possibility that you're going one and three there. One and three or oh and four. Especially for how this Michigan team is playing. Which makes me beg the question. Is there going to be a time, especially if Michigan continues to struggle this year, where Juwan Howard's going to be in the same breath or talk about the same as Penny Hardaway? Someone that is a great recruiter, amazing recruiter, that can't coach, that can't make changes, that recruits guys that can't play together. And I'm not there yet. I'm not saying that he's going to be 
Penny Hardaway. He's the next Penny Hardaway. But from how drastically of a t- team and how they're playing from last year to this year, it could start to bring up that question. Now, as Michigan fans, you might say, oh, they're really young. Okay, yeah, they are really young. But guess what? They're a lot more talented than they were last year. They have so much talent. Now, a lot of their talent, they're not playing really well. Caleb Houston is not playing really well. Diabate is not playing really well. And you know what? If they play better, they can go on a run later in the season. They can go on a run, make the tournament, be like MSU. This is something that I saw comparisons to. To MSU's last year team. Has a lot of potential. But doesn't play great defense. Can't shoot. And it's just really frustrating to watch. And I think that's Michigan right now. Now, the difference between MSU's last year team and Michigan right now is Michigan doesn't have an Aaron Henry. They don't have a guy where it's like, go get me 25 points a night. Now, Hunter Dickinson could be that guy, but he needs that spacing that he's not getting because Michigan doesn't have those shooters. Now, this could be a very early reaction, and I could look back in like a couple months and say, wow, you really said this about this Michigan team? Look at now. They're, go- they're going on a roll and making the NCAA tournament. As of right now, if I have to make that prediction, especially for what I'm seeing, Michigan will not be an NCAA tournament team this year. Now, I don't know if you're okay with that, especially with what the football did this year, but as of right now, Juwan Howard has to make changes. He has to get better at the coaching aspect of it. No one has ever questioned Juwan Howard's recruiting. Juwan Howard is an amazing recruiter, but the difference between being an amazing recruiter and an amazing coach is that you have to have the ability to develop, you have to have the ability to bring a team together, and as of right now, Juwan Howard is not doing that. And people want, can talk about how last year Michigan had a great team. They were all together. They played well together. But if you saw last year's roster, a lot of those guys, guess what? They're beelines, guys. They're beelines. Great defense. Great shooting. Those were beeline guys. And I think that's something that beeline really prioritized. I think he really prioritized building guys up, building chemistry, having guys that all out their junior and senior year, then bring it in some really talented guys here and there. That's what Izzo's always done. Now, Izzo did it more. Izzo brought in more highly talented guys throughout the year than John Beeline did, but Beeline was a great coach. And I think that's what Michigan fans are really starting to realize right now is how much they miss John Beeline. If I want to make a comparison, and I'm not saying these are the same coaches, but the Lions. Lions with Jim Cardwell. Great coach, really great coach. Can get you 
get you to a certain level. That's what John Beeline was. John Beeline went to a national championship a couple of times, but he could never get over that hump of winning that national championship, which is extremely hard to do. Let me just say, extremely, extremely hard to win a national championship in any sport. But he couldn't get them over there because guess what? They didn't have the guys. They didn't have the athletes. They didn't have the five stars. And then here comes Joan Howard. Joan Howard comes in. He was a four-star. He was a five-star. He was a top ten player in the country. Joan Howard is trying to do what Coach K, and that's the did. I think that's what Penny Hardaway is doing. I think they're seeing that, hey, you know what? We can recruit the number one, number two, number three team in the country, class in the country, and win. That's what Coach K has done. But the difference is, can they get the players to play together? And as of right now, Juwan Howard and Penny Hardaway has not been able to do it. Now, Penny Hardaway has a much shorter leash than Juwan Howard because Penny Hardaway has been around longer, has more expectations than Juwan Howard is. But I really want to focus on how long will that leash be at the end of the season if this continues. If Michigan goes this year without making the NCAA tournament, is Juwan going to be on the hat seat? Is he already on the hat seat? Are these things that Michigan don't really think about? Are Michigan fans really that devastated? by this Michigan basketball team. I don't know. If I was a Michigan fan, I would be frustrated. I watched the MSU basketball team last year play so bad, and they were not fun. I could hardly watch that basketball team play last year until like the last like five games where somehow Ann Henry literally carried us to the NCAA tournament. And even when we did make it, and blew that UCLA, LA lead in the tournament and ended up losing. You know what? I was, I'm going to be completely honest. I was kind of happy the season was over. That's like the first time I've really watched where I'm like, wow, that wasn't really fun. And I think that's kind of what Michigan fans are having right now. Now, I do think Juwan Howard has every capability of turning this round. Michigan has so many good athletes. They have so many good players that if they get playing, and they get playing well, it's hard to hit their shots, and they get into the NCAA tournament, and they get high at the right time, watch out, because this Michigan team is so talented and has so much potential that if they can just make the tournament and get hot, this is a team that can go far in the tournament. Now let's quickly transition over to MSU basketball. MSU basketball has a game. Tomorrow against Nebraska at home. I believe it's like 7 o'clock. Currently, MSU is 3-0 and in the Big Ten. Coming off a big road, road win against Northwestern, where it's one of the worst officiating games I've ever seen. In one single half, they had 33 fouls. If you wanted to watch a game of just officials, 
you should watch that game. That was absolutely horrible. It seemed like every like twenty seconds there was a whistle being blown in. A lot of those fouls were not actually fouls. I think the refs. You know how like some games where it's kind of like the refs kind of seem they want like they want to be in the action, like they want to be like they want being paid attention to. I think this was easily that type of game. But MSU got out of there. Got out of there with a win. Big win for MSU. Now 3-0. Now they got Nebraska tomorrow. I think they win tomorrow against Nebraska. Next, they play Michigan. They play Michigan on Saturday. And huge game in Ann Arbor. I hope MSU plays well. I hope they play well. I hope they win. Big two games coming up for MSU and basketball. Lastly, I kind of want to transition into NFL and the Lions. I don't think I can really remember watching a Lions team get beat as bad as they had, but actually like been entertained by it. And that is exactly what happened last Sunday against the Seahawks. Something that you cannot say with this team is that they don't try. I think that is something that Dan Campbell has really instilled in this team. That they try so hard and they play for each other so well. That's really hard not to cheer for this team. Yes, we lost by quite a bit. But I actually had kind of fun watching them play. It was fun watching them recover the onside kick. It was fun watching Amon Ross St. Brown, which he is an absolute beast. I have him on my fantasy team. He's a beast. I ended up actually losing the national, losing the um, fantasy football championship though, which sucks. I actually lost in both. I was in the championship for one, and I was in the consolation championship for the other. Lost both. Not very fun. Not happy about that. But this Lions team, man, do they give effort. They give effort. They play hard for MCDC, Dan Campbell, Moore City, Dan Campbell. They really play hard. They really try out there. They're fun. They even had an offensive lineman score a touchdown. That's how fun this team is to play and watch. And I know a lot of people are like, losing isn't fun. And I agree, losing is not fun. Unless you're watching this Lions team play. This Lions team is entertaining. You look at this team, you look at how many players are hurt, how many players are on COVID. You're like, these guys are going to get blown out every every week. But the last couple of weeks, they haven't really been getting blown out. They've been playing pretty well. And I think is something that Dan Campbell has done a very good job on, which makes me excited for next year. I think players are going to start to be really interested in coming to Detroit. Not stars, but role players from teams that have stars on them. Um, one player I really wanted the Lions to target was Gallup from the Cowboys. Now he ended up tearing his ACL in the last game, so I don't know how interested Lions would be right now because of that, but he's a very good player, and I think the Lions are going to get better, especially with this coming draft. They secured a top two pick 
in this draft, and they're going to get a really, really, really great D-end in either Thibodeau and Hutchinson. That's where I hope they kind of go. I hope they kind of go that route. But they're going to get a really great player, and then they have the Rams pick. I hope they get, go after a linebacker. I hope they go after Georgia's linebacker, Dean. He's a baller. He balled out against Michigan. I was so impressed. I was. I really hope that they go after him. But I think the Lions have a very bright future ahead. And I really look forward to seeing what the Lions do against the Packers this coming week. I think Aaron Rodgers will probably sit out. If I had to make a prediction, I think the Probably the Lions win this week. I wouldn't shock me at all if they win because Green Bay isn't really playing for anything. They already have the one seed. They have no really reason to play their star players. I would love to see a Tim Boyle um, versus Jordan Love game. That would be really entertaining and really funny. But yeah, this is something that I'm really excited about and I think the Lions have a good thing going. Quickly, before I end this episode 9, just want to talk about and give a shout-out to the Pistons. They finally beat the Milwaukee Bucks after losing 16 straight games with Killian Hayes and Cade Cunningham coming back. Absolutely huge for them. They end up beating the defending world champs, the Milwaukee Bucks. Huge win for them. Still not very good at all. Red Wings, Red Wings are still young. I think they have a bright future ahead. But I think a lot of these, I think a lot of these are all of these Detroit professional teams really do have a bright future ahead. And I really look forward to hopefully watching a few years and saying, hey, look at those Detroit teams. Instead of saying, oh, those Detroit teams, yeah, they suck. Which we say very often. But in a few years, I hope I can say, hey, look at those Detroit teams. Playoff, 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 playoff. Don't know if that will ever happen, but if it does, it'll be a great day for the state of Michigan. Thank you again for tuning into episode 9 of my podcast. Um, you can now actually leave a review on Spotify, so if you listen to Spotify, please give me a review. Um, if you don't want to give me If you can't find it or you listen somewhere else and they can't give me a review, please let me know your thoughts. But thanks again for listening. I appreciate all of you guys and have a great rest of your night.